one of the, one of the things that they had said, it's like, hey, there's no way they could cover everything that the Holy Spirit is involved in, and that is so true. When I when I've commented in the past, as far as uh, you know, scratching the surface of an iceberg, uh, this is even less than scratching the surface. We're just going to be hitting the basics that I believe are very important. It's touching on the Holy Spirit in how He works in our life when we're born again. But um, there's, as I was studying for this, we could go so deep and so broad, but we'll try to uh, keep it uh, more basic. Key thought there in your notes. The key thought is empowered. Empowered. What are the functions and attributes of the Holy Spirit in my life? Now, let's have a word of prayer. Dear Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for this privilege. Lord, as we come before you now, uh, as we study uh, the importance of knowing the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit works in our heart and life and uh, the importance he has in ministering to us. Lord, I thank you for uh, this past week. Lord, I pray you continue to keep me safe and alert and awake. Because one last night, and Lord, I pray you be with us as uh, Thanksgiving is coming up. And uh, may we have a blessed time with family. Lord, we love you and need you. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen. Uh, you might have in your notes there, the day you receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, the Holy Spirit of God took up permanent residency inside your body. This third person of the Trinity is perhaps the most misunderstood and ignored part of a Christian's walk and relationship with God. The Holy Spirit within a person is the empowering by God of that person to serve and minister on the Lord's behalf and to accomplish His will. We see Jesus is here on earth to serve His Father in heaven in Luke 4, 1, which reads, And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. John seven thirty nine, But this spake He of the Spirit, which they had which they that believed on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. John 14, 26, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. We can see in the life of Jesus Christ that he's got the empowering of the Holy Spirit in his life, the Holy Ghost in his life, and it's for the purpose of ministering on the Father's behalf. It's not for the, it's not for the purpose of convicting Jesus of sin, or anything that may be wrong in Jesus' life, is for the, for the empowering, for the capability, the ability to serve the Lord. And I know this has been very true in my own personal life, but often uh, I think many, many people 
uh, are trying to serve God without the power of God. Um, and in order to have the power of God, in order to have the Holy Spirit, uh, and I think we've touched on this here. No, no, we have not. There is, there's another lesson as far as dealing with sin that's a rather, I think, rather lengthy one, maybe a couple weeks into that for that one. But um, that the only way that's going to be possible is to have a clean life, to have a holy life, to have a sanctified life. Continuing on here, King James Bible doctrine refers to the Holy Spirit in this specific ministry as the Holy Ghost. The term Holy Ghost is a title given to the Holy Spirit's ministry within, I think it's in your notes there, within men and women of God in the New Testament for the express purpose of fulfilling the ministry of the Son of God as the living Word of God, the Lamb of God, the Holy Ghost is the comforter to Christians as they serve and live for Jesus Christ here on this earth to fulfill the Great Commission. A great reference on that is John 16, 4 through 15. In, in, for sake of time, because we do not have the time to, to uh, go down this trail, I'm just going to leave it at that. Um, we have, if you've read your Bible, you know that there's many other places in the Bible that has the term Holy Spirit. Uh, I don't believe for a moment God made a mistake in using Holy Ghost. Uh, I believe if there is a term that's in the Bible elsewhere, then the translators or God intentionally changed something elsewhere for a reason. Um, Jesus Christ, when he died, he gave up the what? And I'm not going to go into it now, but you, you define what ghost means. It's the spirit of a soul or the spirit of a person. Um, and Jesus Christ, who was he when he was here on earth with the disciples? He was their comforter in the person. When he leaves, he says, I will send back the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. Now, it's one and the same. Holy Spirit, it's like the Lamb of God. Correct? The Lamb of God is who? Jesus Christ. We're all, we're all solidly, on, we all understand that, right? The Lion of the tribe of Judah is who? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has many names, does he not? Because there are specific ministries that he, that he, or officers or whatever, he's, that he's fulfilling, correct? So which should we go ahead and run through the Bible and change everywhere there's Lamb of God to Jesus Christ to make it easier to understand? No. And um, it's one and the same, but if you read every reference, and it's only in the New Testament, to Holy Ghost, it's dealing with the Holy Spirit working within a life of the believer for the Lord. Or, or, or the life of, of a holy man that God is using. Uh, also in the New Testament reference, that holy men of God were uh, spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Well, that's interesting because what were they doing? They were, they were being empowered by the Holy Spirit, by the Holy Ghost to do what? To speak the Word of God. Who's the living Word of God? Jesus Christ. And we'll just, we'll just leave it at that for there. Who is the Holy Spirit? A, he is God, the third member of the Trinity. And there's references there that you can uh, read, read through there. It is, it, it is a clearly 
defined Bible doctrine. It is not a religious doctrine. I've had other uh, men of other denominations I've talked to uh, talk about that, you know, well, the Trinity is a religion made by, is a religion doctrine made by the Catholic Church. They might believe the Trinity, but it is a Bible. You have God in Genesis say, let us make man in our image. Come on, a plural personality, body, soul, and spirit. Body, the Son of God, soul, God the Father, spirit, God the Holy Spirit. There's, there's numerous things throughout the Bible that clearly define that God is a triune God. There's a Godhead, three persons in one. And um, there's many, many, many scriptures to establish this. Continuing on. B, he is a person. And you know, he is a person, not just an unseen force. Um... Note the use of the words he and him in, in these references that you could uh, look up to uh, check this out as far as he's a person. Letter C, he is distinct from the Father and the Son. Uh, John 14, 16, and I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. We see there the son prays. It's in your blanks there. The son prays. B, the father sends. C, the Holy Ghost comes to abide. Comes to abide. Secondly, Acts 2.33. The son is exalted to the right hand of the father, the Father is on His throne. The Holy Ghost is received by the Son and given to the church. In Luke 3, 21 and 22, at the baptism of Jesus, you have this that takes place there. Letter A, God the Father said, Thou art my beloved Son, in Thee I am well pleased. God the Son was baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan River. And then God the Holy Ghost descended in bodily shape like a dove. It wasn't a dove, it was like a dove. Uh, there's, a, there's a big difference. Um, as a trooper, I have the authority to go write somebody a speeding ticket. Now, you can go ahead and put on a uniform and like a trooper go write somebody a speeding ticket, but that ain't going to work, you know what I'm saying? And it's like, you, there's, there's words mean things. And when it comes to studying the Bible, there's, there's a big difference between like and as. R.A. Torrey there at the bottom of that first page, R.A. Torrey said, The Father, Son, and Holy Ghost are three separate personalities with mutual relations one to another, speaking to one another, recognizing each other. What is the function of of the Holy Spirit. A, the Holy Spirit convicts of sin, convicts the world of sin. Convicts, convicts. The Holy Spirit convicts of sin. 
Uh, they're number one, in the unsaved, he convicts of sin to bring them to salvation. In the saved, he convicts of sin to keep them clean and show them how to live for Jesus Christ. And three, acknowledging conviction by the Holy Spirit can lead to repentance, forgiveness, and reconciliation with God. And then ignoring conviction by the Holy Spirit can lead to a seared conscience and a hardened heart. B. The Holy Spirit creates and regenerates. Creates and regenerates. In Jesus Christ, you are a new creature, born again by the Holy Spirit. There in John chapter 3. In, um, here in the last couple of years, I really picked up on John chapter 3 that uh, the critical importance of not just believing in Jesus Christ, but has a person, have you been born again? Because that's what Jesus Christ told Nicodemus, ye must be born again. And there's, I believe there's a lot of people that may believe all the right stuff, but have they been convicted by the Holy Spirit of their sin and the need to receive Jesus Christ and then personally receive Jesus Christ into their heart and been born by the Holy Spirit anew? Letter C. The Holy Ghost enters you and seals you when you are born again. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Ephesians 1, 13, 4, 30. Lays all that out. The Holy Ghost enters you and seals you when you are born again. D. The Holy Ghost bears witness to you of your salvation. You know, I, I, you, when you go door to door or when you're witnessing to somebody or when you sit down in an airplane next to somebody um, and, and it doesn't, and it's all across all cultures, it, it doesn't matter. When you knock on somebody's door and you ask them, you get to the point where you ask them, do you know for sure you're going to heaven? There's, there's those that you just have a solid confidence. They're born again. Nothing's going to shake it. They know it beyond all doubt. There's those that he's like, well, I hope so. And that's a great hope to have. But, you know, I don't, I don't, I, I know if I die, I'm going to heaven. There's no doubt in my mind. And I believe one of the reasons for that is that when a person is born again, the Holy Ghost comes and resides in them and seals them. And when, the, when God himself is living in your heart and life, you're going to know it. Is there a slight, slight possibility that you could be so living so in the world and so away from God that uh, you might not 
feel like you're saved. I, I, I don't know, possibly. I just know when I did not live for God and I did not care for the things of God and I may have gone to church once every six months back when I was a young police officer in the 83, 84, 85. Um, there's something I always knew. I knew I was going to heaven. I knew I wasn't right with God. I knew I wasn't living right, but I knew I was going to heaven. And I do believe that there's going to come a point, there, there would have come a point in my life where if I didn't get straightened out, then, then it, things would have gotten worse to the point where I believe God would have said, all right, bud, I'm done with you, taking you to heaven. E, the Holy Ghost teaches you the Bible. The Holy Ghost teaches you the Bible there in John 14, 26, etc. F, the Holy Ghost intercedes, intercedes, I-N-T-E-R-C-E-D-E-S, intercedes in prayer for you. Letter G, the Holy Ghost comforts you in time of need. Comforts you. That was, that was the whole purpose that Jesus Christ sent the Holy Ghost back. He is the comforter. And, and often that some of the Christians that are, that are having struggles in, I think I testified here a couple weeks ago, for nine months, I'm, I'm struggling, just, I mean, banging my head against the wall, emotional wreck. Until all of a sudden, it's like, number one, I'm in sin. I'm not obeying the Word of God. I'm not trusting God. And just everything just changed. H, the Holy Ghost empowers, empowers you to serve God. What is the result of the Holy Spirit in my life? The Holy Ghost of God produces in a born-again believer a set of character qualities as you give your life to Him and walk in His power. This set of character qualities is called the fruit, which is singular, the fruit of the Spirit. It is singular because all of these qualities are produced at the same time by a close relationship with the Holy Ghost. Galatians 5, 22-23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Um... There may be people that can have natural attributes, you know, one or two of these. But it's like, does a person display every single one? And the one that, you know, my children and Karen could know in an instant whether, uh, whether I'm being controlled by the Holy Spirit or not. Yeah, that 
Sometimes long-suffering is a little bit short. Uh, need to be a little more gentle. Um, but when, when the Holy Spirit when the when Holy Spirit is in control, every one of these attributes will be present in our life. People will be able to recognize it. And it's not a matter of, well, judge not. How are you to judge? It's not me judge, it's what the Bible says. B. The fruit of the Spirit has nine attributes and proofs that consist of, and they were just lifted there, uh, love. Now this is one of my uh, things that I like a lot here, the, the issue with love. The love in a person's life is proven, and I think I have it in your notes there, by uh, 1 Corinthians 13. It's proven by your fruitfulness of charity. You know, it can be easy to say, you know, I love you, but you prove it by your charity. And that's another, it's another good location in the Bible that really kind of chaffs me when somebody wants to get up and read 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and they start using the word love. 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 God gave us the word charity. And it's a charity for a specific reason and I believe the reason why it's charity, well, charity is, yeah, I know, but charity also is proven love. It's a matter of, okay, you prove your love by your charity. Now, I have the cross-reference there. John 3.16 is the greatest verse in the Bible that establishes what charity defines charity, what it means. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. When a man and a woman come down the aisle to get married, and they say their vows, I love you, I love you, I love you, I, you know, all that kind of stuff. Right, but what do they, they vow to give them their life until death do us part. You vow to give your spouse your faithfulness, correct? You vow to have eyes only for your spouse. You, you, you prove your love to your spouse when you give them your time, when you give them your attention. So charity is defined as proven love. It's by giving, not necessarily just giving money, but it's just, it's just giving your life. Uh, the very last part of there of, of 1 Corinthians uh, 13, faith, hope, and charity. Faith and hope, they'll be done away with. Charity never faileth. Charity never faileth. You know, I came to realize, and I might have touched on it here a while back in one of the lessons or a message or whatever, but it dawned on me that, you know, I believe that it's a possibility that charity doesn't fail in hell. Luke 16, 
the rich man's in hell, suffering. And all of a sudden he decides he wants to be an evangelist because of the love he has for his brothers. And he wants Abraham to send back Lazarus to warn his brothers that they don't come to hell, to warn them off. The Bible says that charity never faileth. I mean, it's a little late for, for him, the rich man. But it, it hit me when I'm, it's like, is in the past I've always said, oh, there's no love in hell, and, and possibility or whatever, but the rich man was concerned, no question, about his brothers and didn't want his brothers to come to hell. That's clearly written in Scripture. Enough where he was pleading with Abraham to send back Lazarus to warn his brothers so they don't come down here. And if they're not going to listen to the Word of God, they're not going to listen if somebody came back from the dead, which is a true statement, one of the true statements ever of all time. Jesus Christ came back from the dead, and they still reject Him as the Messiah. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering. And we can look at this list and just examine our own life. Do we have a love for people? Do we have a love for God? Do we have a love for the things that God wants us to have a love for? And on the converse, do we have a hatred for the things that God has a hatred for? Joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. What is being filled with the Spirit? Now this, this can be just really... Just going to just narrow this down here to another one that you could just really study out. What is being filled with the Spirit, and how can I accomplish this? Letter A, comparing Scripture with Scripture shows that by reading the Word of God and letting it dwell in your heart, you can produce the same results in your life as being filled with the Spirit. The more you saturate your mind with the written Word of God, the closer your relationship to the Holy Ghost will be. Ephesians 5, 18 and 19, Colossians 3, 16. Letter B, simply walk in the Spirit. Walking is a steady, consistent, natural process of growth. Living out your daily life. Sometimes I think we kind of lose sight of what, you know, walk in the Spirit or walk or daily walk. It's just living out our life. How we live, how we walk through this life and how we're living. Is, is walking. See, allow God, and I think there's a, uh, a blank here, allow God to control your life. Now, as humans, that is a battle. That is a battle because we like to run the show of our life just naturally. Allow God to control your life. The filling of the Holy Ghost is not you getting more of the Holy Spirit. You received all of Him at the time of your salvation. You're sealed by the Holy Spirit. It is allowing the Holy Ghost more control of you. And more control God has in your life, the more empowered you will be. And it's not, it's not for this 
oh, I want to have more power of God. But it's a matter of just the more things God can do when God has complete control. D, be patient. Persistent. Persistent. P-E-R-S-I-S-T-E-N-T. And consistent. Being controlled by the Holy Ghost does not happen overnight. It is a lifelong process of dying to your fleshly self and spiritual growth. come to realize and more so because of experience. You know when you experience something, when you learn something, when you realize something in your own life, you really got a grasp of it. And um, there's no doubt that a lot of great men of God that have fallen into sin have failed to allow the Holy Ghost to be in control. To be in control. Uh, for whatever reason, you know, they've, they've got great ministries. They've God has allowed them to uh, develop. I think a, a lot of times the the root sin of of all sin, uh, as far as it got a hold of Lucifer, is you know pride being lifted up with pride. It is one that God hates. Proud look. And it's getting away from that daily allowing the Holy Ghost complete control and um, going to Him every day. I could um, testify some more in my own life, but I'll leave it at that. But um, for those of you that have prayed for me on this midnight shift, I thank you so much. Uh, I've been blessed. I'm getting cycled back into it the middle of December. And I just found out this week I'm cycled back into it the middle of January. So that's how shorthanded we are. So it's like, got a lot of it quite a bit. So, but um, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Do my Father, we come before you now. In the name of Jesus Christ. I pray that each one of us, especially me, Father, would have a persistent determination every morning to seek you with a pure heart, with a pure desire. to be holy, to be right with you, to be controlled by you, 
to beg for your help to keep our thoughts and mind stayed on you, that we would guard what our eyes take in, where we can be in control of what our eyes take in. That we would desire to love you more today than we did yesterday. May it be real in our life that we're going to be spending eternity with you And this world is not our home. We're just passing through. It may be, may we all be more effective in serving you when we allow the Spirit to control us, empower us, to make us more effective. Make us more effective as husbands, as wives as your children, as witnesses. Lord, may we love you. And in Jesus Christ's holy name I pray, amen.